We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to the Sooner Sports Podcast, presented by Riverwind Casino, still the one, and by Allstate, Proud partner of Oklahoma Athletics. Now, here's Chris Plank. Hey, before we get started with this episode of the Sooner Sports Podcast, I want to tell you about GoPuff. Now, GoPuff.com is a great grocery slash goods delivery service that helps make your life easier. We know college goes by fast. GoPuff actually delivers faster. I'm not kidding. They deliver anything you need in 30 minutes or less. Snacks, drinks, and any other game day essentials. If it's burgers, buns, hot dogs, party cups, you name it. They've got you laundry stuff, school supplies, electronics, over-the-counter meds. Whatever you need, they've got you covered at GoPuff. And here's the great thing about GoPuff. They were made for college 
by students so they know what you need and when you need it. Now, I've got a great deal for you. Use the promo code VARSITY at checkout for $10 off your first two orders. Try it now. Go to GoPuff.com. Use the promo code VARSITY for $10 off your first two orders. Now, let's get after it. Sooner Sports Podcast, the game plan live with yours truly and Toby Rowland. All right, welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast. We are live with Toby Rowland, the voice of the Sooners. I'm Chris Plank. Pumped to have you guys along for the ride. I've got, as you can tell, the laptop up, so we'll be able to get your instant reaction throughout the show on Facebook and I believe Soonersports.tv as well. I'll double-check with Arch. Let's see, we've had Showtime, two radio shows we've each done since Saturday. Right. Um, What are we going on? 20, 72 hours since the game, and we heard from Lincoln Riley moments ago, and I don't think Lincoln Riley is sitting there saying, we did it, mission accomplished, this team is a finished product. Uh, they, they've got a lot of things to fix, and they're able to do it at 1-0, and that's the most important thing right now. Yes, uh, it, is, it is the most important thing that they won that game because they could have lost that game. Right. I mean, obviously, Tulane had the ball with a chance to win it at the end, and you, you start adding up the fact that Tulane missed a field goal, Tulane missed a two-point conversion, Oklahoma made three field goals of 50-plus yards, that game could have gone the other way easily. Very so, quickly. The number one most important thing is they found out how to get, get out without a win. But, I mean, let's be honest. It was disappointing. It was disappointing for everyone, for coaches, for players, for fans, um, that they played that way after all the hype and buildup and, ex- and anticipation going into this year. They really played one good quarter. Second quarter was great. Forced three turnovers, outscored them 23 nothing. got the separation we expected. It's 37-14 going into the locker room. And then, you know, just uh, what has become a troubling trend, unfortunately, in the last few years, this team has had some games in which they have a big lead at halftime or even into the second half and just seem to shut it down. And the other team roars back. And there have been occasions, like Iowa State, like Kansas State, where they've gotten beaten and almost got beat Saturday. So... Lincoln Riley said in his press conference today, if we want to have any chance of being a good football team, we have to figure out how to play four quarters, regardless of opponent. There are a lot of things you can look at, and I'm sure we're about to, of what's got to be better, but that's the number one. That's the overarching thing. They've got to figure out how to be a four-quarter football team. I just rewatched that play for the 86th time on the, the targeting quarterback sneak. Is that something now? Not, not to completely. Your points are great, Toby. Those, not, but not to get. Thank you. Chris. Not to get shook by a highlight. Yeah. But whenever I was watching, do you that, even listen to me anymore? <laughs> yes, yes, okay. absolutely. I listen to you nonstop. Um, I was, I was thinking, is that going to be a way that teams are trying to play defense against the push behind the quarterback? Right. No, it's not a legal play. Right. So when I saw it, I, I, I guess it didn't catch me because I hadn't seen it from that angle I put one up on Twitter on my Twitter feed and then seeing that angle literally that defender came across and was trying to prevent well here it is again he's trying to prevent Eric Gray from pushing Spencer Rattler even I mean that's just as dirty as it gets you right just there. never see targeting called against someone that the doesn't referee's looking right at it you, it, it, think of every time you've seen targeting call, though. It's always against the guy that has the football. Right. You know? Eric Gray didn't have the football there. He's a blocker uh, in that play. So, I don't, I'm not excusing why the call wasn't made. It's just rare. I don't know that I've ever seen a targeting call. I haven't. 
against a guy that or, or at least wasn't attempting to get the football. Um, but overall, I think the, the bottom line here more than any, anything else, Toby, is that Lincoln Riley, getting back to your point, saw the areas where they need to improve, right? They, they know where they need to get better. And they played, what, 31 guys on defense? On defense, correct. On Sunday? Or Saturday, excuse me. That's crazy. 23 different guys made tackles. That's amazing. You know, that's usually not that 31 guys catch passes, but when we're talking about the depth of, of, of a position group that did a lot, it's, oh, did you see how many receivers made, made catches? I liked that I think Kerry Murdoch asked Lincoln about this yesterday, or, or Alex Grinch about this yesterday, or even post-game was, hey, do you worry about over-rotating? And we kind of talked to Isaiah Thomas about that, too. But, they, I mean, they, it was like a hockey line shift on some occasions on Saturday. I, yeah, and I am uh, I completely understanding. And at the same time, I don't think it's sustainable. I mean, it's not. And that's not... That's not the way they're going to – you can't help but have some miscommunication if you're going to play that many guys. And I think we saw it on Saturday at times. And I know they've got a lot of guys they like. That's the issue. They've got a lot of guys that they like on defense, which is a great thing. And I think they wanted to give them Saturday, and I'm sure we're going to see it again this Saturday against Western Carolina. They're going to play 31 guys and maybe more this week. Like, we didn't see – uh, I don't think we saw Brian Mead. Was Brian Mead no. on the field? And uh, special teams. Jordan Kelly obviously missed the game. Right. So there's, I mean, there's maybe some more bodies that they could throw out there. And but you're going to figure out not just in practice, but in real game time. All right, who are who's the two deep I trust? You know, who are the 22 guys that we really trust? And then you're going to keep rotating so the guys are fresh in the fourth quarter. But we've seen. A lot of substituting in early season games, especially non-conference games before. I've never seen anything like that Saturday. That was remarkable. Yeah, and then you get some big-time plays made by some young guys. Clayton Smith. I think that was his that first fumble. play on the field. It right? was. Recovered a fumble. We, we were talking a lot about, just before we hit the air, hey, some things we want to do different during the radio broadcast. I don't know if I've ever felt smarter than whenever we brought it back from a break and I noticed Danny Stutzman and Ethan Downs getting ready and Clayton Smith. I said, guys, I think we might start seeing some of these guys here soon. And they came out on the next series. Ah, give me fist. Yeah, let's That's go. a sideline reporter right there, uh, ladies. Caitlin Fournier and the marketing crew can attest. After they got the first turnover, we were getting ready for the mid-first scoreboard update. And I said, they're going to force another turnover, and they did. But enough about me. <laughs> the thing that's important here, though, is they did. They punished the Tulane quarterback. Yeah. Now, there were some times where the defensive line wasn't as consistent as Calvin Thibodeau, as Lincoln Riley wants it to be as Alex Grinch, as Jamar Kane. But, I mean, I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that seven was in an ice bath most of Sunday and maybe no, Monday. They beat, they beat Michael Pratt up, and he played a remarkable game. What a tough kid he is. Uh, Key Lawrence almost sawed him in half with one hit. Uh, but, you know, so give him credit. They gave up 35 points to Tulane. So there's nothing to beat the drum about defensively. However, if you're going to look at which position group was the best, of the defensive position groups, it was the defensive line. They consistently got pressure on Michael Pratt. They made him uncomfortable. They hit him hard. They forced three turnovers. So there's less work to be done there. I'm sure there's work to be done there. I'm sure Alex Grinch watched the tape and said, we got to be better on the D-line. But of the you know, secondary linebackers and D-line, I thought the D-line was by far the best. You know what's wild is we always look at plays, and I'm guilty of this, where you have – like a negative impact. What if they get the first down? What if a field goal is missed here? What if they make a field goal here? It's a completely different game in the end. 
And I'm thinking to myself a lot of what 37, 14, whatever it was, it's fourth down and one. You get that first down, you know, that might be Katie bar the door. You know, that might be ball game right there. So there's enough. And I loved what Lincoln Riley said today. There's enough positive to where you're like, okay, we can't lose sight of the good place. But they're not over-celebrating those. They're, listen, there's some good out there, but they've got to fix the mistakes. And I think I heard Teddy talking about it, and I'm sure you guys will get into it tonight on Lincoln Riley Coaches Show. There were some mistakes that safeties had made in, in how the, the alignment was supposed to be set up, different things of that nature, because we saw a few busts which had not typified this defense last two years under Speed D. Yeah, well, okay, so let's run down some things. Like Spencer Rattler's got to play better. Spencer, exactly. Spencer Rattler, uh, 30 of 39 passing. That's over 75% completion percentage. But if you've watched his career, might have been the shakiest game he had at quarterback. Right. Threw a couple of picks. Could have easily been a third one if not for the penalty. Missed some guys. Had a couple of potential touchdowns dropped. But missed some guys. Threw behind him. Sailed it a little bit. Didn't look uh, like he was at full speed sometimes when he would run the ball. Looked a little lethargic. He's got to play better. O-line, got to be better. Uh, we mentioned finishing the game in the second half. So mm -hmm. there's a list there of things that have to be better. But the things that you like, this guy's one of them. Gabe Burkich, the Big, tw Big 12 Special Teams Player of the Week. Three field goals of 50-plus yards. He is a big-time weapon for this team. And if you are in a tight game, and they will be in some this year, where it could come down to somebody having to make a field goal to win it, you feel pretty good about having 47 on your team. Uh, other areas, I thought Marvin Mims looked great. Looked great. First half, he was spectacular, disappeared a little bit in the second half, but he uh, looks like he didn't miss a beat from a year One ago. One of the best interviews, so I always root for him because <laughs> I like having him in postgame. Mario Williams didn't put up huge stats, but you could see the quicks and the excitement and the explosiveness that Mario has. He's going to make a bunch of big plays for this team. You talked to Kennedy Brooks uh, that we had on the press conference show That's right. just a few minutes ago. I thought Kennedy looked fantastic. He looked like Kennedy of two years ago. Patience, vision, gobbled up yards. So that's encouraging. And we've already talked about the D-line. So sure, certainly there are a lot of things to like, but when, you, when Tulane has the ball with a chance to win the game in Norman, then... I think nobody's partying too hard. You've got to go back to the drawing board and say, all right, we're going to have to be significantly better than that. Yeah, and, you know, it's interesting because you brought up Kennedy Brooks. The royal we spent a lot of the offseason getting hyped about the new, right, and Eric Gray. And I think Eric Gray's going to have a fantastic season. But, you know, on the live side, we're watching highlights right now of Kennedy Brooks, and what's he doing? Churning up yards, churning up yards. You bring it up a lot on – on the broadcast, you bring it up a lot here on the podcast. We we tend to forget just how smooth this guy truly is and how perfect he is for this offense in Kennedy Brooks. Slimy, look at that. Just slips out of a tab. That swims by that guy. Yeah, that's a Teddy's term. I don't want to steal it from him. <laughs> uh, just running through treasure. He was surrounded by five guys there. Dove forward for about 10 yards. Patience, patience. There's the hole. Bam, 10 yards downfield. Um, it's not spectacular. Need a yard? There, I got you a yard. But he gets the job done. So... Impressive start because we hadn't seen him in a while. Not that we didn't think he was still good. We just haven't seen him in a while. So encouraging to see Kennedy Brooks run like that. Now, Oklahoma did not have overall an overly impressive running day right. against Tulane. Western Carolina coming up this week is a team and a, and a, 
a team in the trenches especially that they should dominate, it would be a good week to get that running game shifted into high gear. Kennedy Brooks, Eric Gray, I think we got a good chance of seeing the weatherman this week. I think Jade Jay Knowles is going to run. So that offensive line, you need to get some good vibes going. I'm not saying this is the best defensive line they're going to see all year. It's not. But they need to go have an impressive rushing day so that they start to feel better about themselves in that regard. Boy, um, these comments are a disaster right now. So um, I'm going to go with as many positives one, ones. <laughs> but no, Do someone's you, trying uh, to sell something in our comments. It's not going to huh. work. Okay. Um, but this Depends is what it is. But yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe I'll have to try this out. Uh, so Gabe Burkage, best interview ever. It was a spectacular interview. <laughs> the Gabe Burkich post-game radio interview it will go in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> he, the funny thing about Gabe, and I listen again, I'm, I'm not ever complaining. I love talking to all the guys, is he, he knows that no one really wants to hear from the kicker, right? The last player of the game any of us want, unless it's the last second um, a, a win in a top five matchup or in the Red River rivalry, no one wants to hear from the kicker. So I almost feel as if he's working on all of his material about true. midway through the fourth quarter that I, he's going to use. I am making this request now. I don't care what Teddy says. I would like to hear from Gabe Burkich after every game. <laughs> Me too. He's fantastic. Uh, Michael asks a fair question. I wish Lincoln Riley would go for a fourth and short more often instead of kicking a field goal. Well, I think you pick and choose those moments, right? And I think a lot of it depends on how the momentum of the game is. In other words, if they're moving the pile pretty well and it's been a drive where they've been grinding out and they're getting three, four, five yards per carry, then, yeah, I could see them going for fourth down. But, you know, in some instances, maybe, maybe if you've stagnated a bit or you're not running well that drive or you're not blocking well that drive, then maybe you say, okay, I'm at around the 35-yard line. Let's go ahead and try to get our three here. Because I feel like they go for it on fourth down quite a bit. I mean, this isn't yeah. Madden where you just go for it on fourth and 15 and you throw that little fly route and no one can cover you. I was trying to look at my drive chart from Saturday to see what fourth and what it was. Um, this is not say that. I think they had fourth and nine kicked a field goal, fourth and 10 kicked a field goal. I can't read my own handwriting on what the 56-yarder was. It was two seconds to go in the half, so right. they had to kick a field goal there. So I I'm in lockstep with you. I think he does a pretty good job of feeling out the situation as far as, you know what, we need to get six here. This is fourth and manageable. I think the one regret he had and said as much after the game was the fourth and one he went for in the second half on their own side of the 50 and didn't get. And you mentioned it could have put the game away. It served to the opposite and kind of gave Tulane a little bit of momentum and got them back in the game. So I think Lincoln wishes he had punted it there. All right, uh, you guys have uh, heeded our advice, and you'd help us clean it up. Uh, this is pretty good from Jayton, Jayton Carey, who writes, just game one, we need to be patient. Still not what you'd like to see from a team with this much hype. You've spent an entire offseason having everyone say good things about you. Mm -hmm. Now you're getting questioned a little bit. How do you respond? That, that's, that's what I'm intrigued by Saturday. Yes, uh, another, I feel like I'm quoting Teddy all the time. He just says good things. He, he said, here's a positive. If you're going to be exposed for the weaknesses you have on your football team, then maybe a silver lining from Saturday is they got exposed right out of the blocks. That, yep. When there's a lot of time to fix it, when there are some opponents or, you know, coming up that give you an opportunity to work on things like that, and you didn't suffer a loss. We have had occasions in the past where you cruise out of the gates and you're three, four games into the year, and maybe you think you're better than you are, 
and then here comes an Iowa State or Boom. a Kansas State. Great. And not yeah. only exposes your weakness, but beats you. And so we'll see. You've got to go do it. You've got to go improve and get better from this. But maybe this is something we'll look back on in a month or two months and say, hey, you know what? That Tulane game, it was scary and nobody likes the way we played, but it served us well. What was the line Lincoln Riley used today? Talking about a lesson, he said it's only a lesson if you learn from it. Mm -hmm. I thought that was True. fantastic. That's right. So we can sit here and say that, but it's only a lesson if you learn from it. Uh, I want to make sure I give proper credit because this is a good one too. Nick Jane writes, we need to get Hazelwood the ball more. I, you know, and, and maybe again, this is a dude that's still coming off an injury and maybe it's a process. There's got to be trust there between quarterback and receiver. He was the second leading receiver with four catches for 47 yards. I like the idea of getting him the ball more. I think he is a unique weapon with his size, his run after catch ability on this team. The, the catch totals will figure themselves out as the year goes along. They've got so many pass catching options right now. And we didn't even see Drake Stoops. Uh, they didn't throw the ball to Braden Willis, I don't believe, no. on Saturday. So there are so many pass catching options that kind of like we were talking about defensively, that will gradually narrow itself down to the guys that are trusted most and deserve to be on the field. And I think Jaden Hazelwood certainly going to be one of those guys. Uh, I'm he had four catches. I wouldn't mind seeing him have more. I wouldn't mind seeing Mar Marvin Mims have more. Yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing Mario Williams touch the ball more. I wouldn't mind seeing Austin Stogner get it. But you can only do so much. You know what I'm saying? How many plays you got? Right. I'd like to see Eric Gray throwing some more out of the backfield. But, yeah, there's only so many plays. So. The point, though, is a good one. Jaden Hazelwood is an explosive player, mm -hmm. five-star receiver coming out of high school, best receiver in the country. He's back healthy again now. He's a guy that we could see become a bigger and bigger factor for this team. Tyler Callaway, what do you think about the lack of RPO from Spencer? It just doesn't seem as fluent as it does, did with Kyler and Baker. Well, I mean, Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield were – well, Kyler specifically were – Amazing. I mean, he was a running back playing quarterback that could flat out wing it. Haley's Comet when it right. comes to the RPO game. Yeah. I don't, did we see a lack of it? I mean, I felt like it was involved. I got to go back and rewatch the tape. I don't think that, uh, you know, they were overly eager, perhaps game plan wise, to put him in a spot where he could get hit. And then when he, when he did run some RPOs, it didn't, you know, he didn't slide sometimes and took some pops. So I would agree with the commenter there. I forgot the name you gave, but um, Tyler. It didn't. What on Tyler? It didn't look overly smooth in game one. I think that with his athleticism, it can be a part of their game plan. You gotta, you want to make a defensive line have to respect the fact that uh, Spencer Rattler may pull the ball and run with it at any time. But didn't look overly fluid is the word he used. I like that in game one. Um, Toby's right. Corey Adams writes, rather have an early hiccup than an early loss. Agreed. Um, and then Jay gets the last word. There's Do you get the hiccups at your age? Um, Do you still get the hiccups or no? Yes, and when I you get do? them, they're bad. Oh, it's it's embarrassing. Do you have a bad. secret to? So I had an get aunt, rid of it. I had an aunt that said you put a wooden pencil behind your ear. <laughs> Does that work? Ticonderoga too. Right, right. Does that? I mean, I don't know. I, used I don't to, know. You tell me. I've never heard that one. Spoonful of sugar. Um, my daughter uh, told me, drink a glass of water with my head hanging down. So you have to, like, hang off the bed and drink a glass of water. I don't get the hiccups anymore, but my wife does, right. and uh, it's hilarious. So. It's, it's the absolute worst. So, um, Jay, you get the last word. 
Was the offensive play calling just too vanilla because you're not wanting to show upcoming opponents? I, I don't know. That's a question for Lincoln Riley. I would say as a casual observer, uh, I guess I'm more than a casual observer. As an <laughs> interactive the voice of the observer, it, they ran one trick play. They had the reverse pass where Mario Williams threw it downfield. Saw the highlights of it. Other than that, it looked pretty rudimentary as Lincoln Riley called games go. And I think coming out of camp, probably that is to be expected. I would imagine that will usually the case is that creativity and variation in the offense gets dialed up as the season goes along. These, you guys took too long to get all the great comments in here. This is great. Um, yeah, and I, and I think, too, part of this, Blake brings this up. I think part of the frustration over this game being so close is then we all went home and watched what Alabama did sure. to Miami. They look great. And you saw Georgia's defense against Clemson, even though neither team scored an offensive touchdown. But, okay. I, I just – I think that adds to the frustration. Yeah, but today is uh, – I agree wholeheartedly. Today is September the 7th. And they're passing out the trophy in January. <laughs> right? I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to be no, smart. No, you're right. You're right. I'm not you're trying right. to be smart. This is not a one-week season. So I would say after week one, Oklahoma is behind Alabama and probably a few other teams around the country. But the good news is uh, we got a few more games to go. And maybe they'll finish behind them. I don't know. But the good news is uh, you got a chance to go again Saturday and get better. And then you get a chance to go play Nebraska and get better. And then what's after that? West Virginia West, and get uh, better. West Virginia, and then I'm K going State, through the whole schedule. And then Kansas Texas. State and get better. And then look at I'll, you. I'll stop there. Look I'll at stop you. There. You had that right off the top of your head. Oh, and look at look at Craig Moran, our producer, on the uh, video side of things. Hang on yeah. here. I'm going to see if I can find a misspelling. He hasn't misspelled anything yet. He's been yet. pretty fire so far this year. Six o'clock. On Saturday night, we'll be on the air on the Sooner Dad Radio Gummit, Network with a 4 p.m. pregame show. This is the biggest game of the year for the radio broadcast. Let's go. Uh, and by the way, the varsity. Chad McKee's on the TV call, though, so you should. That's right. And, and Chuck Long and Leslie McCaslin. So there you go. We encourage people to buy the pay-per-view and listen to that. Watch do, that. Do we say buy the pay-per-view, turn them down and turn it up? He's, Chad's in the other room. Right he can hear us right now. Um, so, but as soon as he leaves, we'll encourage you to I, get I saw a lot of questions about this just real quick. And also, this is helpful, I think, for those that might not be catching this live. The Varsity app. Brand new. It's right there. Just just created. So yeah, that's right. Look, the Varsity Podcast Network. Um, Google it up or in your app store and you can listen to the radio broadcast for free. So... It's part of the, Around the Learfield world. family. We got you covered. If you don't, if you're not within shouting distance right. of one of our radio affiliates. Got great affiliates, 107.7, the franchise. 30-some radio affiliates around the state of Oklahoma. If you're within, you know, listen to them. KMOD. But if you're outside, you know, the other parts of the United States or beyond, the Varsity app will take care of you. There you go. You, you clean that up for me, and I appreciate it. Uh, for those of you on the podcast side that have downloaded us at Soonersports.com slash podcast, the Lincoln Riley press conference from earlier today is coming up right now. All right. Thanks, Chris. Good to see everybody. Uh, exciting week. We've been waiting for this week for a long, long, long time. Um, ready to finally have a, a full capacity and get back to the uh, the atmosphere that we know and love, the place we know and love. And um, I could tell you, our, our staff, our players, it's uh, a lot. been a lot of anticipation about getting back to this one. And uh, so I hope our Hope our fans feel the same way. I know they will. I think a six o'clock kick right here Saturday night, packed house is uh, man. It sounds amazing, honestly. So can't can't wait for it to get here. 
Uh, you know, it's been a you know good week of work so far. Um, we're, we're pushed the guys hard this week, and they're responding um, way what we would expect. Um, obviously, I don't feel a whole lot different about you know the the game, kind of how it played out the other day, than than what we discussed uh, Saturday afterwards. Um, there's a lot that we need to get better at. We're, been very, very focused on that this week. We also haven't turned a blind eye to some of the things that went well, and there was a lot that we need to that we need to build on. Um, and, and there's still a ton of excitement, I think, among the staff, the players, because the the flashes of good were were excitingly good. Um, but obviously, there's got to be a lot more of it, and it's got to be a lot more consistent from from top to bottom, coaching, playing, uh, the preparation. Uh, just got to have a healthy respect for what it takes to play well for all four quarters. And uh, that's, uh, you know, I anticipate that we'll take a big jump there. That's our, that's our expectation. That's our goal. So I'm excited to, uh, excited to get another chance here Saturday night to go put it on display. Uh, excited to welcome Western Carolina. I know we visited about this at a prior press conference, but I uh, want to again extend our condolences to the, the Peacock family, to their entire, uh, the entire football team uh, program uh, there at Western. Again, can't imagine what all those those guys have been through. Certainly, the family has been through. So, uh, coach will certainly be in our thoughts as we uh, as we tee this one up and uh, and kick it off on Saturday night. So excited to welcome them in. This is the fun part of the season. You know, you get that litmus test of where you're at, and then it's all about the climb. And that's something that we've embraced throughout the years. And I promise you, we're embracing it again and uh, ready to, to make a lot of improvements and and get the season underway. Uh, with that, we'll go to questions. Yeah, Lincoln, uh, specifically looking at the defense, uh, what you saw from, from them on Saturday, what, what stood out to you that maybe you didn't notice initially uh, right in the aftermath of that game? And uh, you know, what do those things mean for you here moving forward, uh, whether it's rotations or, or things like that? Oh, I think we lost our, our – we didn't start the game well. We made some mental mistakes in the beginning of the game that I don't think were a lack of a lack of focus. I think we were really juiced, really hyped to go play. And I think you saw some guys that just made some early mistakes that needed to settle in. Thought we settled in and played pretty well the rest of the half. Um, and the second half, we lost our edge. I mean, you could just you could just see it. Our effort. Was 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 off. Our our mentality was off. Our our execution, the mental mistakes, then not turned into not settled in. It's just turned into not focused. And uh, you combine that, where we lost our edge to, uh, and, and you got a quarterback. I think that played extremely well against us. And the answer was, uh, they moved the ball and scored points. And you know, you got as a defense when you get in that position when you're when you're up. Uh, like we were, and the offense is, is basically in four-down territory the rest of the game. I mean, you've got to defend a lot of plays, and you got to do it well. And uh, we lost our edge, and uh, you know we we turned into average pretty quickly, as did the entire football team. Hmm? Lincoln, did you get any clarification on what could have been a targeting against Eric Gray? And to the second point, is something like that? Is that? Make it even tougher when you're trying to manage the carries and you only have two schol- two scholarship backs. Uh, we've we've turned we've turned that play in, but don't don't have a response yet. I would anticipate we'll get it here. We may already have it now. Um, just got we just got off the field, but yeah, certainly turned it in. It looked like a targeting to me um, that that you know that they just missed. But we'll we'll see what the official response is from the league. So um, no, I didn't think managing it was that much different. I mean, those guys. 
they both got a you know a solid workload. I mean, I think carries and snaps were you know about what we expected, um, and uh, thought they you know they played off each other. I mean, I think I think both guys stayed fresh throughout the game, so I think it was a a good start into into what that can look like. Um, Spencer obviously has a lot on his shoulders, quarterback, captain, veteran, all that sort of stuff. And you've had quarterbacks with different personalities over the years, but how does his how does his leadership maybe look right now and what does it need to be? Because it seemed like he was I mean the numbers weren't bad on Saturday, but maybe that, that push or that um, you know, sort of bringing the team along, maybe that wasn't as good as I would think he might want. Yeah, yeah, I think I think there were some times in the game, you know, the, the second play of the game and then a couple others uh, specifically in the second half that he, I think there was some frustration and tried to make too much happen. Um, and not really the not really the, the second interception. That was a, a, a poor route and not being on the same page, that throw was fine. But some of the other plays just throughout the game and not, not even all passing plays that he just mentally wasn't quite as sharp. And, and so I think he was... The whole group was pretty symptomatic of the same thing. I mean, it just the, again the focus and edge just wasn't there. And then at times, I think for him, turned into frustration, kind of wanting to will the guys and push them. And that's a that's a good thing. But how do you do that? You you lead by example, your body language, your energy, all of that. But you still go out there and do your job. And so it was a good, I think, kind of chance for him to to reset and realize how how laser focused he's got to be all the time. And when it's a tick off uh, at this position and in this offense with all we put on guys, um, it shows up. So um, as far as being a leader, I think he's, he's, you, you see him starting to grow there. You know, he's not the, he's not yet the, you know, established or comfortable leader that some of our guys have been. And some of that's just is really his age. Um, but he's, he's definitely taken big steps. You know, he wasn't, much of a leader last year. We didn't really need him to be, nor really ask him to be. And that's, he's wanted to take on that role. He's learning as these different situations comes on, how he, how he can lead, but also balancing leading with being an effective player. And that's a, you know, with a position like quarterback that's so mental, that's a big part of it because you can, you know, you can go raw, raw, raw all you want, but if you're not producing and doing your job, it's, it's, it can be counterproductive. So he's, He's heading in a good direction there, and I think I think he he'll become a really good leader for us as time goes on, and he continues to get in these experiences. Jason Kersey, yeah, uh, Mario Williams had I think the most receptions the other day. It seemed like you were trying to get him the ball. Um, how do you see his role evolving moving forward, and and what, was there an effort to get him the ball on one side? Um, I don't know that there was like a just. We have to get him the ball like way more than these other guys. Some of it, I mean, there were some things that, that were designed for him, but there were also some things that just happened within the flow of the game, and he happened to be in there. I mean, you know, he and Mike both had several targets um, there at that position and and, uh, and did some good things. He's, he's a, uh, you know, he's an explosive guy. He can separate at the line of scrimmage, and he can, he can run with the ball, although I didn't think he ran as good as what we're going to see as time moves on with the ball. I think he, he can be much better with the ball in his hands. But he's, yeah, he's growing and learning. And I, the thing that you're excited to see for a guy like that is, you know, first time out there, even though that wasn't quite the stage we're used to, it'll be a little bit different this Saturday night and the rest of the way through. But it was good to see a guy that the moment's not too big for him. I mean, he, 
he's got a confidence about himself. You can tell he knows that, that he belongs out there. And that's for a young guy, that's, that's very important. Hey, Lincoln, I was going to ask you about uh, Eric Gray. He got the start for you guys. What did you see from him in his first game here? And what did you think about the dynamic between him and Kennedy Brooks as the game went on? He was solid. Um, you know, I thought a couple of his best runs, honestly, were, were runs where uh, there wasn't as much there and he made a few things happen. He had a, re- a couple of really good, just tough, active runs for us um, that really stood out. Uh, you know, he missed a couple of, of blitz pros where he's got to be better. It's typically a strength of his, so uh, he's got to got to improve there. And then a couple things I think that were blocked well that he's just got to continue to trust again and get behind that old line and go. And you know, listen, we've been admittedly with the, with those guys, we've been admittedly a little conservative uh, throughout throughout fall camp and kind of felt like in a way we had to. You know, you feel like if you're you're an idiot, you know, if you've got two scholarship backs and you're just there running them into brick walls every single day. So uh, we, we, I think, in some ways anticipated that we would have to take some steps here early. Um, but I think it's very good for guys to get out in front of that O-line in life situations to play, to see things, to come back and see if I just trusted it, if I just done, you know, read my keys, all right, trusted where we thought it was going to hit, that it would have been, you know, you just built that trust. And so uh, I think he'll be better. Their dynamic's great. They play off of each other well. Um, I mean, we could have started either one. It's a coin flip on who we're going to start. And they're, they're both going to, you know, be big contributors for us. Barry? Yeah, Lincoln, you've got a one double-A opponent this week. You've had some years where you have those, some years you don't. What's the difference? Have you seen any difference in whatever the difference is between them? A one double A and a one A program. Your players, I assume, don't know the difference and don't care, but you guys do. So, how do you approach a game like this? Do you like it? Do you not like it? What? How do you? How do you feel about it? Well, I mean, I think there's 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 a lot of positives in it. I think one, it's it's great for programs like this to be able to come play at a place like Oklahoma, and the obvious benefits financially for these programs. Um, you know, for us, I. I don't really judge it just kind of by itself. I think it's part of looking at your whole schedule and, and does it fit. And I think uh, this year with the current uh, kind of playoff climate, the way the playoff is set, the way the conference is, the rest of the non-conference schedule that we have, we thought it made sense. I think it does make sense here. Um, you know, differences typically to me a lot of times are in depth and then and then occasionally in the lines of scrimmage I think are the biggest differences. You. I think a lot of people think, well, one double-A opponent comes in here and, you know, there's, a, there's, there's still a lot of good players on the field. There's a lot of good players in one double-A football and, and the coaches are shoot just as good as they are at this level. So, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's another game for us. I think the, this is a good opponent. We're excited to play them. Um, you know, however the game plays out, uh, I think our focus right now is whether we're playing, it doesn't matter. NFL team, a high school team, a one double A, a division one, it doesn't matter. We we gotta play four quarters as a team and that's that's um, that is job number one, two and three right now. So were you able to use the results of Saturday, OSU, Iowa State both get taken to the limit by one double A's. Washington loses to one. Are you able to use that with your guys? Uh, I think for us right now, our focus has been a little bit more on, you know, we were too circumstantial the other day. I mean, that, that's, that was our problem. We were worried about the scoreboard, all the other circumstances, as opposed to, you know, our brand of ball and our standard of ball, regardless of any of those outside factors. So, 
not not using those uh, with our guys. I think our our focus again is you know if if we want to have any chance of being a good football team, we got to figure out how to play four quarters and uh, and and our mentality not be affected by scoreboard opponent anything else. And so that is that is uh, the sole focus of our program right now. John Hoover, That's a good answer. I have to write that down. <laughs> um, you mentioned Saturday that uh, pass pro was really good. You thought. Uh, does that hold up? And then the second part of the question, uh, Spencer was moving around quite a bit. It looked like at times he might have got happy feet, might have got out of the pocket a little too soon. He's throwing off his back foot some, and I think that may have affected his accuracy. Do you go back to him and say, let's work on your mechanics? Let's go back to square one? Anything like that? Yeah, no, I think, uh, yeah, no, pass pro, I would say it was excellent. I mean, it was, it was excellent. Um, you know, we, like I said, backs actually missed a couple of blitz pickups, but other than that, we were we were we were spot on. Guys did a good job. Um, uh, yeah, I thought Spitzer was in, in, honestly improved in the pocket. That was a big a big er, uh, kind of area that we wanted to push on this year. We thought at times last year uh, got out too quickly, um, uh, moved in the pocket at times when he didn't need to. So I thought he had some really nice ones. I think there was off the top of my head maybe two or three that he could have stayed in there. Um, and, and finished. Um, and, and again, I think it's, it's kind of like the question about Eric Gray. You know, there's just, when you've been a quarterback and you've been in a blue jersey, you know, since, you know, since spring ball, it's just, it's different. You get out there at those live bullets and, and all of a sudden, you know, you've got to feel it and you've got to trust your protection. And, and I think from where he was last year was a big improvement, but certainly there's some that he can do better and continue to trust more. And, Listen, the more we keep pass pro like we did the other day, the more the quarterback's trust in it's going to build. You know, Lincoln and your John's question about the offensive line a little bit. How did it play overall? And, you know, you talked about the depth you were going to have. You know, you played Swenson. I, you know, Rain got into the game late. I did see Wanya more, so he got in. I apologize. But where does Wanya kind of stand? Where does your tackle position stand? And how well did they play in the game? Yeah, guys that probably played the best in the game were, uh, you know, I would say, Robinson and, and Consul probably were the were the two best. Um, you know, Chris Murray actually he, he had the two false starts, and other than that, he played outstanding. Um, was really really physical, so there was a lot of good. Um, you know, we didn't have rain the majority last week, and so uh, you know didn't play him much, and honestly probably probably shouldn't have played him um, just because of a lack of preparation. Uh, you know, Wanye has done some really good things. He's starting to, to settle in a little bit. He's right there on the edge of, of, of you know, garnering. We've got to put this guy in the game no matter what. Um, and he's going to get his opportunities to prove that he should be one of the best five. But he's got to prove it. But they're, they're still, you know, the pass pro was really good. The run game was average. There were some really good moments in the run game. There were some poor moments. And then, again, the, the dead ball penalties, you know, were, were, you know, probably the biggest negative. So, uh, a lot of good individual things. We're still trying to find that that best five, and it wouldn't shock me if that doesn't evolve. With because we do have some good players that are right there that I think are going to push as this year goes on. You mentioned Swenson, Wanye, some guys like that. So Rame. Uh, so I think I think it'll evolve a little bit. We'll 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 see if that same starting five is is kind of what it ends up being. Hmm? Justin Martinez. 
And Lincoln, just from talking to Gabe Burkich after the game, you can tell he's quite the character. He's got the mustache, the mullet. He yeah, he's a more credit. fun interview than I am. <laughs> he was giving credit to having a breakfast of chicken and pasta for his performance. Just what can you tell us about his personality and how he carries himself on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, no, he's funny. It's, a, I, it's funny. Coach Stoops called me last night. We were talking, and he and Carol had watched uh, Burkich's interview. I hadn't seen it, so he texted it to me. I watched it last night, and I was in tears. I was uh, My favorite thing is uh, how he knows it. That uh, we're gonna kick a field goal because he looks at me and I'm pissed, and he knows he knows that it's uh, uh, it, it cracked me up. But uh, he is—he's a funny guy. He doesn't—he doesn't. What you kind of saw in the interview, he doesn't really take anything too serious, which I think he's learned to make that an advantage in his game. Um, but yeah, he's a fun guy, man. I, I think the guys really like him, respect him, um, and he, yeah, he does. He's got a good balance and perspective on things. So um, fun guy to have around and. You know, a lot of a lot of fun to have around when it's uh, fourth down on around the 35-yard line, too. Coach Brown. Yeah, you'd mentioned the, the targeting, possible targeting situation with Gray. I know Lawrence had a hard hit the other day, too. Is it, I mean, there were four ejections in a game. I saw it. Yeah. yeah that's not, no. Is it any more clear now than it was maybe two, three, four years ago exactly what targeting is? Yeah, yeah, no, I think it's pretty clear. I mean, I think the... The only times I think it becomes iffy are, you know, determining who's protected and who's not at times. Like, is it a blind side or was it not? Like, there was one last night on, a, I think, a kickoff return where they said it's a, a blind side and he didn't see it. And I'm sitting there looking at it like, the guys are running right into each other. Now, you know, you go with the crown or the helmet. I mean, that, that's the – it doesn't matter who it is any time. You lead with the crown, you're going to get yourself in trouble. And uh, so – and there were several of those last night. Lawrence's in the game was interesting, um, you know, just because he obviously hit him with the shoulder. I mean, it's clear it wasn't head to head, you know, and, and that's, I think it's a tough call for officials. I mean, in my opinion, that quarterback didn't slide nearly early enough to, to gain protection. I mean, if you've already committed yourself to the tackle and the guy's not even began a slide, I, I just don't know how you put that on a defensive player. But you do understand that this day and age, the, they're, they're going to err on the side of protection, and it's hard to argue with that. So I, I think it's in a good place. I mean, I like that they're all reviewed. Um, I like that you can, you know, you can take them off. Um, and I felt like the guys in our league the last few years, as it's changed, have really done a good job because I don't, I don't feel like there's been a lot that, you know, especially that, that maybe were called targeting on the field, that they left it just because. They've really made it it's, say, like, it's got to hold up strong on replay. And I think we, our league has stuck to it well. So um, I think our guys, coaches, have a clear understanding. I feel like it's been well-defined. It doesn't mean it's easy, but it, I do think it's well-defined. The lead fence in the back. Uh, Coach, you've been stressing the team needs to play four quarters. You mentioned that a few times and also on Saturday. Is that one of those things, though, that is difficult to get a gauge of during the week in practice because it's not a real live game situation? Or are there steps and things you can do throughout practice to, to know going into the Saturday that, okay, our guys are going to be able to play this football? Uh, yeah, I think you can. You have a good idea. Do you ever know 100%? Uh, maybe not, but you can get a good idea of mentally where the guys are at. And, and you go back and look at our week of preparation. There's there's some things that would suggest that we would have really good moments in the game, some real bright moments, and there's some things that would suggest that our consistency level um, was was not where it needed to be. So I think our, our practice week was very, very telling uh, of, of what it could become. Now, it doesn't mean even if you didn't feel like everything was great in practice that week that you don't go out there and fight your tail off to, to still do it, but it just makes the job harder 
when you haven't really mentally prepared to do it no matter what, no matter what the scoreboard says, no matter how much people on the outside think you ought to beat a team, no matter how hot it is, no matter how many people in the stands, none of that matters at the end of the day if you're really truly focused on the things that, that we preach here. And so uh, it's a great lesson. It's a great, I don't say lesson, lesson's only a lesson if you learn it. Well, it's a great opportunity for us to learn something and we'll see if we're, uh, we'll see if we're a mentally tough enough team and we'll see if we listen good enough to learn it. We've talked about a lot defensively, uh, I think, at the end of the game to uh, stand that you guys, the freshness of the guys kind of showed up. But is there a continu uh, continuity, kind of a, a rhythm that the guys have to fight when they're kind of moving in and out with so many uh, guys playing? Sure. No, that's the, that's the balance of it. Um, you know, we've practiced that way kind of leading up through fall camp to be prepared to do this early in the season. Um, I think we played 31 guys defensively the other night, which is, you know, Almost, you know, three guys per position, you know, so it's quite a bit. And that was the, that was the plan. Um, we'll, we'll see how that evolves. Again, part of it is, you know, we have a lot of new pieces that you want to, you want to see what you have. You know, you want to see what they're doing, how they respond in game situations. And then uh, those guys, those 31 guys that played, we felt like on the practice field had earned the right to go in and play. Um, you know, now with some game uh, game tape to evaluate, game situations to evaluate, that'll certainly factor into decisions in the upcoming weeks. And listen, we're not going to play 31 guys on defense every week. I mean, that's it'll narrow. But I think throughout the years, we have proven we're at our best when we can still play a high number of people, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. So our hope is that maybe it's not 31, but that we got a good batch of players that we feel like we can rotate in and out and, and still have you know, continued production. Jenny, the last one in the queue. Lincoln, to sort of piggyback on that, because you play those guys, what's the, what's the most difficult thing as you're rotating guys in and out? Communication? I mean, like, what, what becomes the most difficult thing? And then sort of a spin ahead of that, you guys are playing nine in a row before you get a break. How mindful even now are you of that, and how much does that play into getting a lot of guys on the field in a game. Oh, we're, we're very mindful of it. I think everything we've done, I don't know if spring ball was affected a whole lot, but everything we've done from fall camp on has been geared towards this stretch and kind of how this thing unfolds and what we felt like we needed to to play well in this stretch with not having a buy uh, for a while, like you said. So, um, uh, the, and then the most difficult uh, thing of playing a lot of guys, yeah, I mean it's it's kind of twofold, you know. Probably the the communication and just the rotations and guys guys getting settled in. The continuity was mentioned in the other question. I mean, all of that uh, can that be tougher? Yes, but at the same time, guys being fresh, especially in temperatures like the other day, it's hard to. There, there's benefits too. So I, I think as a team, if you approach it the right way, the the positives will outweigh the negatives. And again, I, part of this for us is us banking on that. Not only did we maybe get some of the dividends maybe the other other day on the last drive or whatever but as this season goes on we see those dividends more and more as there's more guys ready to play through the ebbs and flows of the year Bob Lincoln uh, it didn't seem like there were a lot of injuries for you guys Saturday but could you give an update on what's going on with Jordan Kelly yeah with Jordan a couple of guys out with some uh, you know medical reasons so I'll let y'all figure it out so hopefully uh, we have some of those guys back here this week Talking season is over. Obviously, the football season's here. Um, but you, you 
mentioned Saturday a lot, uh, the word mental and mentality, talking about your team's approach, uh, mental focus. You also talked about human nature with the big lead in the performance in the second half. What I'm wondering is, now the talking season is over, could the guys have bought into some of the hype of being ranked number one by a magazine and number two by the AP? You know, could that have led to the performance that you saw from the yeah. lack of focus uh, Sure. Mentality? Yeah, I think so. I, I, it certainly could have. Uh, I, I think for us, it's not so much of maybe trying to identify what was the, the source of the problem. It's just we've got to get the mentality in the right place no matter where the source was. And again, maybe there's some guys that thought it's just going to happen. You know, you're just going to blow this team out like everybody says you're going to on the outside. I mean, again, I think you got some of the human nature. Again, you have the run that we did. You come back out there. Um, I mean, we were. You know, our, our guys were like a lot of the fans. They thought the game was over. I mean, it just it is what it is, and that's that's the that that's our job's different than the fans. Our our job's to be there no matter what, all the time, playing our level of ball. And uh, so, whatever it is, it's got to be better on our players' part and our coaches' part and my part. Um, so, um, it, we probably have some guys that that, that it, it probably came from different areas, but the in the. The end goal is all of us in one line going the same direction with one mentality. And so, it's again, it's a perfect opportunity for us to learn and come together and really lock in on what's important and block out everything else. And, you know, it's, uh, that's going to be that's our challenge right now is do we, do we, do we seize it or do we, uh, you know, or do we continue on that path? I, you know, I think um, I've got confidence in the guys in, room, in the room that we will seize it. But... Like again, like you said, talking season's over. Saying it's one thing, doing it's another. We got to go do it. Yeah, time, time for a couple more. Uh, Jason Kersey. Yeah, Lincoln. Uh, DJ Graham was having to switch jerseys there on the, on the kickoffs. I'm wondering, do things like jersey numbers come into your mind when you're deciding who's on different special teams, and how difficult is that to manage the, the changing of jerseys? Yeah, they do, and uh, that's a new rule this year. Typically, it hasn't been a a big factor because they've let you just put on like the Velcro ones and it, it's, it takes like two seconds. It's been typically very, very easy. Um, it's, it's more difficult this year because now you can't do that. Now they make you actually put on like an actual jersey, which I mean, I get it's a rule. We're going to follow the rule. The, the, why we did that, that's, that's another story for another time. But anyways, I think that um, it is a factor. Um, so we, we watch it. Um, we try to pay attention to it, and we have absolutely throughout the years and this year made adjustments to guys because of it. It was literally just Velcro you stuck on Yeah, it used to be just like basically a vest that just – I mean, it was very, very simple. And it's not too terrible now, but it's – I don't – I, I kind of wonder what's the point. Um, if you got a different number on, who cares? But it again, is what it is. And Ryan Chapman on Hey, Lincoln, last week we asked about um, Todd Hudson, Jaden Knowles, the depth. You said those are guys that, you know, we're going to play anyway before everything happened. You those guys got touches um, on Saturday. Was that just how the game played out, flow of the game type thing, or um, just weren't comfortable yet to throw those guys yeah, out? Yeah, it played out that way. Um, you know, again, we were playing a, a new coordinator, new group that you didn't quite have a, a great feel for what all was going to be coming at you, and there were several new things coming through. So. We felt best to stay with those guys, uh, Kennedy and Eric. But, uh, but Jaden and Todd are, are practicing well. They'll, 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 they'll have a role as this year goes on. Um, but they, you know, we got to continue to to build our confidence in them. They've got to continue to do it on the practice field so that when those situations come up, that we are confident putting those guys in the game.
This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast, presented by Riverwind Casino, still the one, and by Allstate, proud partner of Oklahoma Athletics. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation on the Sooner Sports Network.